0: What does motion sound like? With Kizikans Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks. Warning. This podcast involves discussions of a spooky and graphic nature not suitable for children or the faint of heart. Strong language and mature content is present. Listener discretion is advised. You have been warned. <laughs>
1: Spooksters, and welcome back to another Stabby Snippets here on Three Spooked Girls. My name is Tara, and as always, I'm joined by my ghoul friend, Jessica. Hello. Hello, hello. And today we are going to be bringing you some updates on some previous cases that we've covered here on the show. Jessica is going to chat about two cases first, and then after that, I will finish us up with one of my bigger cases that I've talked about.
0: Okay, Spicksters, as you have known of me as I am obsessed with the Heather Elvis case out of North Carolina, And my last update, we talked about it like Sydney got sentenced and he is her boyfriend. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back and listen. She's been on our show twice now. So we have a lot of information about her. But I just wanted to kind of give you a quick rundown of where they're at right now, because obviously Heather hasn't been discovered yet. So at this point from the articles I was reading is that they are they've definitely switched modes From, like, where's Heather bring her home safe to they're in, like, body retrieval. I don't know how long this has been because it depends on who's talking, whether it's the family or the police. But they're still looking for her, maybe not as wholeheartedly because the case is closed. But December 18th of this year marked six years since Heather disappeared. The interesting thing is that now that Sydney has been sentenced, the gag order is officially released and they let out several bits of information that I think were very pertinent to the case but because there was a gag order the public couldn't know. One was an interview with Tammy Moore and that would be Sydney's wife and I thought this was interesting. Essentially she's brought in to be questioned about whether she knew if Sydney had made the call at 1:30 in the morning to Heather And she's like, I was in the truck with him, but I don't know what he was making the call for. And there's surveillance video. So then a quote that I thought was interesting from Tammy was, I have boyfriends. We have an open marriage. I could care less if he has sex with 100 people. I mean, it doesn't really bother me, which if you followed the case at all, you would know that that's not true because she literally harassed this girl online. (laughs) She was a cyber bully before cyber bullying was really, truly a thing. Mm hmm. And then this is how I think shows the character of Tammy and maybe how deranged she might be. She's talking about Heather and the fact that there was six calls made that night and two, I guess, were like the number was blocked and then the other four were just hers. And she's quoted saying this about Heather. She's not right. She's not normal. I look 20 as in Tammy looks 20. (laughs) okay, Tammy. Really, this quote is because I want to reaction on that one, but it also shows. <laughs> she's like, I look 20. I partied with bands constantly. I wasn't that kind of a girl. And believe me, I had friends to make me that kind of a girl and I didn't do it. So there's something not right with her, meaning that I'm assuming that she's saying that she slept with a married woman or a married man throughout the cases because Sydney and Tammy broke the gag order they kind of came out and said look she was obsessed with us or she was obsessed with me blah 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 one of the last little text message back and forth between Sydney and Heather he texts Heather Heather you wanted to speak to me earlier you can call me now Heather replied i think you're a little obsessed with me so it's kind of this different picture than the moors were painting they had the police reports, they had their arrest, which was saying that they had probable cause to believe that the two were involved with her her disappearance, and also that they checked a gun. They did, like, a swab of one of the Moores' guns. Oh, okay. Yeah. That link is going to be, obviously, in our sources, so you can see where I heard that. But I think it's interesting. Also, it's interesting to note that since we did an update on Heather... Tammy's one year has come up so according to federal law there's this thing called downward departure which means that you can make a motion before the court to say like Tammy could come out and say like her body was is right here and the courts would give her leniency I mean I see your face (laughs) your face is like that sounds fucked up but That's what they said when Sydney got when Sydney was sentenced, he has one year from his sentencing to come forward and basically say, like, this is what happened to Heather and the charges that he would get. Like if it was a death penalty state, he could get life.
1: Basically, they're just trying to pull anything, pull a Hail Mary to find her at this point.
0: Right. But this is a federal law.
1: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, they're just grabbing at what they can use. Wouldn't you? (laughs) I mean, yeah, yeah. If, like, that was my family member, my friend, whatever, I would say, do whatever the fuck you can. Right. With that example, say that they they did offer him that and whatnot. He's still paying for what he did. Like, yes, it's not the death penalty, but he's still in prison for the rest of his fucking life.
0: Right. And I mean, I mean, not to say that 30 years is... I think 30 years is a little lax. I think if you kidnap a person, you should go away for life because you it's a no-no. Yeah. No no kidnapping people. So Sydney has until next September to come forward. Tara knows because I have a Google alert on her on our <laughs> on our podcast email. So Anything that comes up with Heather, Elvis, which a lot of times is more about like someone named Heather that was attached to Elvis Presley. So it was a little weird. (laughs) So when we do another updates, if there's something else like I'm hoping and sending positive energy out there that Sydney, because it doesn't matter now if Tammy does it or not, but that Sydney will have feelings in his heart and be like, you know what? This is what happened to her. Yeah. So my second case, again, I apologize. I have a really hard time pronouncing Eastern Indian names, and I am so sorry. I apologize now if I say these wrong. So earlier this year, actually, when Tara was in California with me, there was a case that happened a Shankar. Hangud was, oh, I wouldn't say arrested necessarily. <laughs> I would say he volunteered himself because he walked into the Mount Shasta Police Department and said, hey, I have a dead body in my car. Yeah. By the way, there are three more dead bodies back at my house. The story is really sad for me. So if I'm using humor, it's because this is so close to where I live, but it makes me really sad. Humor is a form of deflection. So when I, we first reported this, we kind of had a rough timeline of what he had done but since then he because he came in and he gave like full statements to the police and was like this is what happened so on october 7th of this year of 2009 oh no it's no longer 2019 it is 2020 2020 <laughs> Happy New Year, all. I'm sorry. <laughs> um, so of last year of October, <laughs> it's 2019 still when we're recording. I apologize. <laughs> so on October 7th of 2019, Shakar killed his wife. And I believe it's pronounced Joyeth. It's J-Y-O-T-H-I. And she was 46. And their 16 year old daughter, Jari, in their apartment in Roseville. The next day, he killed his 13-year-old son, Nishael. And then at some point between the 8th of October and the 13th of October, he left and went north. He actually is reported to have gone farther than Mount Shasta. He left with his 20-year-old son, Barum. And when he left, his son was alive because that was a question of whether the son was killed and then taken or... Wherever that could go, or wherever they ended up, did he kill them there, which is what happened. He killed him somewhere near the Oregon border. If you're not familiar with California geography, that's a good five to six-hour drive, depending, I want to say, right? Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. So... Shankar was obviously arrested in Mount Shasta, gave his full statement, and then was taken down to Roseville and into the Placer County system. And he went before a judge. He said he was not guilty. What? Yeah, though he sh- okay. Like, look, <laughs> look. Okay, everyone, just take a moment and let that sink in. An adult man drove up to a police station and said, "Hey, I have a dead body in my car. I killed my wife, my three kids. I'm confessing." But now I'm going before a judge and I'm not guilty. Okay. Right. It's also, I mentioned this in the first one, but, you know, it's also known that he was unemployed and that he owed like $178,000 to like in federal taxes. Oh oh my God. (laughs) I don't even know how, how you get that far behind. Like, you know, (laughs) I'm still trying to process how you get that far behind in, um, Your taxes like do you just never pay taxes. Right. Or do you like lie a bunch on your tax returns and then get lots of money and then they're like and then the IRS doesn't audit and they're like, oh, we're just kidding. You you owed us money because that happens a lot where people get money back and they shouldn't get money back because they like filled out their shit wrong. Oh, yeah. Always fill out your taxes correctly. Please, please, please. <laughs> you can serve time for that? That's a whole different type of true crime, yes. <laughs> right. So Shankar is charged with four counts of murder, and um he will be going to court at some point in this next year.
1: Okay. We just don't have a date right now.
0: No. Gotcha. But the update is it's they've actually got they've released the timeline, so that that's good. It was um it was something that they had kind of told that the, where the kids went to school. Oh, no. They had said like they because obviously like the kids were there one day and then not there the next day. Yeah, but still, I still like I don't know. So they told like the other children in their school like this is what happened, which is really sad, but yeah. probably better healing for those children who knew them to be able to grieve them. Mm-hmm. This is really sad because. I mean, other than, like, the fact that he owed so much in federal taxes, there doesn't seem to really be a motive for him to commit, like, such a travesty of killing his entire family. Mm -hmm. So those are my updates. Definitely check back through our Stabby Snippets because there are cases that have no updates. But if you are interested, you should check those out so that if you know anything, you can let us know. Mm -hmm. Oh, did you want to mention that podcast, though? Oh yes! Before I hand it back over to Tara, I had mentioned in our last Abby snippet on Heidi Burchard, there was her friend was on a podcast when the news broke that they found her. And if you want to check that podcast out, it is called J for Justice, and that's like the number four. J is for Justice. Okay. Yeah. So definitely, definitely, if you want to check that out, go ahead. I found the name too late to listen to it for before we recorded today. But I'll definitely be I'll definitely be checking that out because I kind of want to hear that firsthand what that sounded like. And then we will keep you updated on that case as well. That is all my updates for today. I hand it back over to you. Sounds good. So I am going
1: to be updating you guys on the Anaya Blanchard case. You might remember this one from last month. And you also might have been following it in the media. It got a lot of attention. She was a 19-year-old girl who went missing from Alabama. It was this past October as well. A lot of stuff going on in October. Jeez right? If you happen to miss it or you don't know the full details, you can go back to that episode to hear about her disappearance and the initial details on all of that. We had updates up through November 6th. I actually had a big update came through as I was editing the night before. It was of the person of interest. So I'm going to pick up from there. That was the last thing, really. So At that point, they put out the info with this guy's photo and some security footage from a convenience store that she had last been seen at. And they were like, if anyone knows who this is or has any info, please let us know, you know, things like that. And it worked really quickly. The next day, they were able to ID that man as Ibrahim Yazid, and he was arrested in Pensacola, Florida. Oh, God. And nobody at me for saying his name wrong, because I feel like I still did, even though I watched a bunch of news segments trying to make sure I said it right, and it just wouldn't stick.
0: He's the bad guy, right? Yes, one of. It's fine if you don't say his name right. Uh, (laughs) And then
1: on November 22nd, another suspect, Antoine Fisher, would be arrested and charged with kidnapping in the first degree, and more details come out a bit later on this with him. And then three days later, sadly, authorities would respond to a call over on County Road 2 in Shorter, Alabama, at approximately 10.45 a.m. During this search, they would find human remains, and these remains would be confirmed to be Anaya's. Hmm. Yeah. That same day, another suspect would be arrested as well. His name was David Johnson. Johnson was charged with hindering prosecution for his alleged part in Anaya's disappearance. What that exactly means is kind of a bit vague as there was and I think still is a gag order in place. There was a recent hearing earlier this month, but it was very, very private and there was nothing I could find that could confirm or deny if that was actually lifted. They're kind of keeping things very close to the chest with this one, which, you know, can't blame them because this got a lot, a lot of media attention. So then earlier this month, on December 2nd, Yazid was charged with two counts of capital murder, one involving the death during kidnapping, and the other was using a deadly weapon slash firearm while the victim is in the vehicle. And during this, the state would also announce that they would be seeking the death penalty as well. And during the court proceedings, a lot more information came out in regards to everything. So from the autopsy, it was clear that Anaya had died from a gunshot wound, so that was classified as a homicide. So that's why they were able to charge him, of course. Along with this, they had some witnesses come about to help with the case. One had said that they saw Yazid interacting with Anaya near her vehicle in front of the convenience store where we saw the original footage from. And there was also additional surveillance footage that was discovered from a different gas station of him getting out of her car on the passenger side. And then it showed him getting back into it a little bit later. And then they were traveling southbound on South College Street towards the interstate, which was something we knew. uh, And I had mentioned in the first episode I did on this. After this, another witness, or they're listed in the media as a subject. I don't know if this person maybe has more to it or if they're just a witness, but they're just called subject, which was a little weird to me, but I don't know. Anyway, they said that Yazid was seen at a residence in shorts with no shirt and had a gun tucked into his shorts. So I'm assuming in the waistband, but Anaya was not with him and nowhere to be found. They didn't see her at all. And there was also a conversation, and it was said that Yazid admits to shooting her and that she, quote, went after the gun. He admits that, and that is confirmed in court, too. You can check in the sources. She was basically trying to fight back and get the gun from him, I'm assuming, to get you know to get away from him or whatnot. So she tried to go down with a fight. Mm-hmm. And then I'm not sure, but for that last witness, they're protecting their identity. So I'm not, I don't know. It could have to do with the gag order. It could be just for their own safety. Who knows?
0: It it could be a lot of things. Yeah.
1: Yeah, because it sounds like they're the one that kind of like pushed it out there that he did like say all that stuff about the gag. Mm-hmm. I don't know. So by December 4th, Johnson posted his bond, which was $7,500. Fisher had a $50,000 bond, but at this point, he was still incarcerated and everything. And Yazid, of course, has no bond, so he's incarcerated as well. Then on December 17th, there was a bit of a shift with things. A motion was submitted by the prosecution to drop charges against Fisher. Judge Russell Bush granted the motion. The reasons ended up being due to the fact that his charges were essentially, quote, providing material assistance by providing transportation for Yazid and disposing of evidence. But I guess it came up in the investigation that he physically wasn't there at the time of the crime, but rather he was an accessory after the fact, which makes it a separate charge, and that didn't take place in Lee County. So here we are. But the judge also, like I said, he granted the motion, which dismissed the charges. But when doing so, it also caused so Fisher can't be charged again with kidnapping in this case. And he was also released from custody that day. Kind of shenanigans.
0: Yeah. Like obstruction of justice at the very least. Come on. Well,
1: with the accessory thing, I'm hoping maybe they can.
0: Yeah. Unless he's turning state. Yeah. Like State's evidence and, like, is actually giving them, like... I mean, it sounds kind of like he is, but... Yeah.
1: I even checked a couple hours before recording. There's still no exact updates for anything in regards to... Any more court proceedings in regards to the death penalty for Yazid when all of that's going to take place. But the prosecution did say to multiple, multiple sources, and I'm sure the stuff with Fisher probably played into this, that they're going to take their time and they're going to make sure that everything's done right, of course, so everything's done the proper way for Anaya Mm -hmm. and Like I said, I'm thinking the gag order is still in place because it just it was just like there wasn't really anything saying yes or no. And then everything's still pretty vague how it was when the gag order was still definitely in effect. So it just makes me think that it's probably still going, you know?
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it makes sense. Definitely.
1: Mm hmm. And then on December 21st, her friends, family, and all of her loved ones, they had her celebration of life over in Birmingham, Alabama. And they have, if you want to watch it or pay your respects or anything, they have it on YouTube and it's connected to the local uh, news source and everything. They actually streamed the whole thing. So for those who couldn't make it and things like that, so that's nice. And then I guess, so I don't remember what it's called exactly, but how they have Amber Alerts for Children, how they have it at a national level for adults. They don't have that in every state, and Alabama is a state that they don't. Mm -hmm. So, because of this, a lot of people, like from her family and other people in like legislation and stuff, they're wanting to push it for Alabama. So it's starting to become a hot topic because they had no kind of push of anything when she went missing. Because if they did, maybe it could have helped her. And even if God forbid it couldn't have, you know, it'll. At least if they get that option, it could help somebody else, you know,
0: because mm-hmm.
1: they were obviously traveling for a bit type of thing is what I'm assuming they're thinking. True. But yeah, so that's really what's going on with them for now. I'm sure it'll be probably a while before there's any updates, but when there is, I will give you guys updates on those The rest of my cases, most of them I updated last time, and then the only other one was the Natalia Barnett case. I actually had updated you guys pretty much everything that's came out on that, and then they're still waiting on court and whatnot. Nothing really too new. And then they also had a gag order added back in November as well. So.
0: So then how was she on frickin' Dr. Phil?
1: So the gag order was November 19th. When did she go on Dr. Doc- she must have went on Dr. Phil before that. That might be why there is a gag order. Yeah. So it looks like she went on Dr. Phil earlier in the month, around the 7th or 8th. Mm-hmm. So it looks like that gag order dropped about a week or so after. Sorry, I was looking at the dates and stuff. But yeah, so... It very well could have been because of that to be like, okay, we're stopping this now. I think that's kind of why nobody's heard anything else
0: about it, really. Right. Because I, I watched the Dr. Phil thing because mm-hmm. you all know I love and obsess with Dr. Phil. <laughs> um. <laughs> and it was like very laid back. It wasn't like how his show is normally where... You know, you're on a stage. Well, I mean, they were on a stage, but it wasn't like they weren't on the stage in the high chairs. They were like uncomfy little seats that he talks to, like, his really high profile cases in. Mm-hmm. And when he was talking with her, like, he point blank at- point blank asked her, like, are you a like, I don't remember the exact word. So don't at me about it. But it's like he basically asked her, like, are you a sociopathic, like, adult? And she's like, no, I'm mm-hmm. 16. <laughs> and. They were telling their side of the story and it was a lot of like her new family talking. So I could see how this would like, like how we talked with the Scott Peterson case, like having too much information out there one way or the other kind of taints the public view. And Mm -hmm. I really do think that this needs to be kept quiet and then handled in court.
1: Yeah. I actually will tell you guys something that looks like it got updated yesterday A judge ordered to get a DNA sample from her for the whole age controversy thing, so there's that. But like I said, they had their original court date for January, but apparently that's been rescheduled to June.
0: Oh, wow. That's a big change.
1: Yeah, so summertime.
0: (laughs) Yeah, that might have a lot to do with the press that has just been, like, buzzing around because, like... Dr. Phil is a big media source. Mm-hmm. And when he does these cases, they stay on YouTube a long time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's not going to go away.
1: Mm-hmm. But yeah, well, uh, I'll keep an eye on that one, too. I forgot there was that little tidbit on hers. So, yeah, I'll let you guys know about that. <laughs> but that is going to wrap us up here today for our Stabby updates. We hope you guys enjoyed that. If there's any updates on any of the cases we've done and you've noticed, feel free to DM or email us anytime with those. We always love getting more info. We appreciate it from you guys. Or if you have any suggestions for current cases you'd like us to cover or think that should be brought to the attention of the Spookster community, let us know. We're happy to look into those as well. But with that, we're going to go ahead and sign off and we will see you on Monday. Bye, guys. Bye.